country. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Big G Country. On today's program, the Abrams will be with us. Two brothers from southeastern Ontario who've traveled the world and also won some great awards at the CCMA. That's the Canadian Country Music Association Award Shows. And we'll let them tell you all about that. They're exciting and great performers as well. The Aber Brothers, John and James, welcome to the program, boys. Gary, it's so Thanks. great to be back with you, man. We're so glad. You know, uh, just indulge me for a second here, but I, I think that um, I'm going to go back here and I'm going to guess. I think the first time that I met you lads, I'm guessing, John, you were 10 or 11. And James, I know you're two years younger, so that would have made you eight or nine years old. That's exactly it, Gary. It's Is it? Totally, can you believe how long it's been? I mean, it's oh. basically been 20 years of knowing you. And, um, you know, uh, we, I just want us to start off this interview on the right foot and say, Gary, you have been, you know, such a huge champion for James and I ever since we were little kids. You got us in to perform on the radio long before anybody else. You, um, you were spinning songs of ours, you know, uh, on commercial radio long before anybody else was. And so we certainly appreciate, especially coming from Kingston, Gary, that um, we had somebody, you know, in our corner that, that really, you know, helped us out there on, on country radio and helped us feel like we had a, an audience out there listening to us. So thanks, buddy. What I love about you guys is, first off, your uh, upbringing. Uh, second, your faith. The third and most important thing, I think, is your God-given talent. And uh, I, I have told this to anybody I can talk to that I think the Lord gives each and every person a, a measure of talent. Uh, for hockey players, there's the first liner and there's the fourth liner. But without the fourth liner, the first liners never get to rest. So, you know, everybody has a measure. You young men are phenomenal. So I know a lot about you, but... I'm going to let you tell our audience. So let's go back to the generations of Abrams music makers. Yeah, well, we uh, we have, we are the fourth generation in our family, and have, we we've obviously talked to you about that before. But for anybody that hasn't, you know, been exposed to us before, that is a big part of who we are. And um, the first generation was like it was it was in a vaudeville type um, scenario. And they were called the Sweethearts from the West, although they're from East, Eastern Ontario, which was it was better marketing, I guess. And then it trickled down the line uh, to uh, our grandparents on, on our Abram side, to our dad, and then to us. And the three generations from our grandfather to us was um, we've all played together at the same time when we were young. And so that's really the reason why John and I play today. And um and it's a big part of what makes, uh, you know, the Abrams music what it is. Um, and John, you can add whatever you want to, to that. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty special because we um, had that first generation, our, our great grandparents now, uh, great pop passed away in, in, um, in uh, 91, but great nanny, she uh, lived to be just over a hundred years old, Gary. And uh, we just lost her, Oh, about two years ago now, uh, but she was still, you know, she, and they, they were touring the 1930s 
and she was still singing songs with us at family gatherings uh, at 100 years old. Actually, at her 100th birthday, we had it in Carlton Place, and um, and we sang uh, "Will the Circle Be Unbroken" and "Amazing Grace" together uh, in four part harmony across wow. four generations in that wow. uh, birthday room. And honestly, there was uh, there was nothing like it, you know, to have um, an experience like that spanning four generations of country and roots music uh, all in one place. And at the time, we knew that was our last moment doing that with Great Nanny because she was pretty frail at that point. Um, it was a very emotional moment for James and I because we, you know, it's one thing to say you connect with your roots, but to connect with your roots four generations deep uh, wow. on this musical level, it, it, there's something sort of intrinsically in a different, almost in a different universe um, as an artist uh, on that front, for sure. Oh, that must have been just uh, uh, unbelievable. Let's talk about um, the Abrams and the variety of music genres that uh, you young fellows have been exposed to and have actually participated in over the years. Yeah, well, we grew up playing a lot of bluegrass and gospel music, right? So that was sort of a, a version of the Abrams family. The Abrams family historically was a gospel band. I mean, this, this you know, the proper band um, that started as the Abrams family was with our grandparents' generation, um, just after uh, Great Nan and Great Pop were touring as a duo. Uh, and they were the Abrams family in the 70s. They had a record called Walk This Road, which was recorded in, in Westport at the time. Um, and they put it out to the, to the region and had good success with that. So there was definitely that harmony component uh, at the core of what we did, but our grandparents and our dad, when James and I were really little, started getting really interested in bluegrass music um, and that sort of end of the country music genre uh, spectrum. And, and so that's the stuff that James and I would hear in the living room when we were sitting there on Wednesday evenings, it was band practice night at our grandparents' place in Sydenham, Ontario. And James and I were just starting to play the violin at that time. And we'd sit there at the, at the dinner table, just waiting for them to finish practicing. We'd be drawing pictures or something, something that kids do. And we sort of looked at each other and said, like, we should probably get in on this because it's kind of boring sitting here every, <laughs> every week at the dinner table doing nothing. So that was really how we got involved, was listening to this bluegrass gospel sound that our family had uh, at that time. And this was, you know, in the late 90s. Um, and jumping into that, it was pretty nice for James and I as kids because getting out and performing um, other than at the Iron Horse Saloon in Kingston, which was a regular spot for us to appear. And I know Gary, you probably brought us on stage a couple times there. Oh yeah. Uh, it's now a giant tiger, but the old Iron Horse <laughs> Saloon was where we got our start in Kingston uh, to a great degree. We were too young to play in bars around, right? And we didn't really play uh, in bars a lot because we weren't really allowed there a lot. So the fact that we had bluegrass festivals and churches to play in, it meant that we had venues that we could perform in as a young family, uh, with James and I just being quite young at the time. Um, and that gave us a, a leg to stand on. So that's where we started in our music and then branched out from there with our own writing and, and, uh, and have kind of gone into our own direction. Uh, uh, James, I know that um, one, of the, one of the tribute albums that you guys put together was uh, was more folk. It was like uh, Dylan and uh, uh, Guthrie, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Arlo Guthrie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, Blue on Brown was the name of that record, and it was um, Bob Dil a tribute to Bob Dylan and and Ar Arlo Guthrie's music with 
with um, also Arlo's dad, Woody Guthrie, being a big uh, influence. And um, and that was was a period in between the bluegrass and wh- where we are now, where John and I really started to, um, uh, you know, get steeped in in original songwriting. And and it really was on the trajectory to us starting to write our own material. And um, and so it was kind of in between those two those two eras that John was talking about and was a really great um, place where we were exposed to some of the you know, great American songwriters um, and and with songs that really impacted, um, you know, a, a North American culture in a way. And and uh, and so that's really where that came in. Um, and that was in the uh, the mid 2000s. And then after that, it tra- we transitioned right into writing our own material. So it was a great uh, sort of in between uh, almost education, if you will, songwriting education. Not only that, but I think. Uh... Uh, I think Arlo had some comments to make about that particular right. album, did he not? Yeah, it was a really neat experience. We um, got to go to a couple of his shows when he was playing in in Ontario, um, and we we performed, uh, I believe, in the the lobby of one, if not a couple of those shows. I can't recall. John might be able to correct me, but um, we got to meet him, and it eventually um, led to him writing the liner notes in that in that. Uh, record which you know when you look back john and i should keep a journal uh more diligently of stuff like that but it's uh that was definitely one of those moments in in our career that really gave us great encouragement to to want to keep going well the reason why i i i met i talk about that part of your uh lives and, and music career is because i can see the transition from from when you were the the gospel music the bluegrass music the folk music and in the country and where they all come together is that is really where the roots of country music, original country music actually started. And it's because I've called it over the years, um, emotion music. And the reason why I said that is because it just seems that country music has, has got that emotion message in it that brings people to the forefront of the song and of the words in the song and of the meaning of the song. And so I can play a country song and I can also, I can almost remember where I was or what emotion I had when I'm playing that song. And when you guys write a piece of music, I'm sure you bring your inner emotional thoughts and put it on paper and then you put it to music. And I think that's what makes the difference. So the transition from 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 your the Abrams actually coming yeah. to where you are today has been a great uh, history point for you guys and uh, has really brought you to where you are now and where you're headed in the future, as I can see for sure. So let's talk about now. Um, you've been signed by Warner Music Canada, which has been a uh, blessing, I'm sure. And of course, totally. uh, got some nice awards from the CCMA and the CCMO. And so, tell us about that experience. Uh, uh, how what you're doing now, and uh, where you're headed down the road. Well, I think what was cool, Gary, about the um, the most recent uh, moment we had at the CMA Ontario Awards, where we took home Roots Artist Roots Artist of the Year again. Uh, it, it's a nice sort of full circle back to that because, of course, we've, we've talked um, you know with you about it in the past that we really went fully into country music a, a number of years ago before we started working with Warner Music Canada. 
um, in our own way with our, you know, our own songs. Um, but that's a really special award to take home because it's not just us winning that award when we, when we do, it's us taking it home to our family and celebrating with them because it belongs to them as much as, as anybody. Um, so it makes the, the family dinner that much more special when we can take that home and say, thank you guys, we all got here together. Um, so, you know, having that moment at the CMA Ontario Awards just a couple of weeks ago was really special for us. And it uh, certainly has been in the past when we've taken that award home. It's been wonderful to see, um, you know, how much that community around country music in Ontario, uh, particularly this year, has been able to weather the storm of COVID-19 and decide to come together uh, regardless. We had that this big outdoor um, stage set up at a, at a fairgrounds. It was a drive-in show. Um, and I think it was just a really strong reminder about how uh, strong the country music community is here in Ontario around the music. Um, and it just was a reminder that, look, country music comes from, and you, you know, we were just kind of talking a little bit about this, but country music comes from community, right? I mean, it came from, you know, 100 years ago when people might not have been able to afford a piano and certainly didn't have the means or even the technology yet to have a record player, they'd have fiddles and banjos and guitars. And that's what they do on a Friday or Saturday night. They get together and that was entertainment. That was a community building moment where people would come together at somebody's house and have a potluck. And that's how the music was born. So to see it still have a strong sense of community around it, even at a time when people are not really able to do that as much. Uh, I think that was a really encouraging thing for us, for sure. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Um, also, um, with the new music that you're uh, writing and producing, uh, having produced uh, and uh, releasing to uh, country radio in Canada, uh, I know what you've done over the past little while, so let's, let's go back to that. And then uh, what we've got lined up for the future. You bet. Uh, well, we, we put out our record reminder last September. Um, hard to believe it's been just over a year now. Um, and we had uh, two singles with that record, Sounds Good to Me and Good Old Days. Uh, and, and those songs did fantastic. We really uh, loved seeing how much more we've been able to reach people with these songs that we were writing quite a bit over our, our tour throughout the United States. James and I were doing a lot of touring in the States and uh, uh, when we were starting to write for this record and, and, uh, and then also touring back through Canada and the festival scene. So there's a lot of that always woven into our writing um, because for us, we write songs with the means to the end of, of getting out there and performing for people. And Gary, we've talked about this a lot, right? That, you know, that song on the radio for you is really just, you know, an advertisement or a little soundbite about what we do. And then the whole point is to get out there and connect with fans in real life and extrapolate that sound over a full show, right? And so that always circles back and continues to inspire new writing. So that, that reminder record, we're really happy with, eh, James? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it kind of led right into the unforeseen situation that we've all been dealing with here uh, over the past, you know, several months and uh, back from, from the spring. But um, it's kind of given John and I a little time to, to think, you know, musically about where we want to go. And, and we've certainly been doing a lot of writing, but it also allowed us to kind of um, think about what kind of different ways we could connect, you know, as John was talking about, and that brought us into coming up with an idea of doing um, 
a very, I would say, much lower uh, budget show than you have here. But it's more of like a meet and greet, uh, a meet and a virtual meet and greet with with um, with uh, folks that enjoy our music and and uh, we call it off road with the Abrams and um, people can. I'm, we're still we're in between seasons. We're trying to figure trying to make it a little more professional. Um, but um, but it's on. We we would do them on Mondays at five thirty p.m. and and on our YouTube. So um, if uh, if anybody happens to find that on YouTube, we'd love to have them have them there. But it was just kind of um, we we're trying to take um, you know as much positives as we can from uh, such a tough situation for everybody and and uh, appreciating time with with our family and and a lot of things that you know we can often when we're really busy with music, uh, you know, let kind of pass by, you know, and that's priceless moments with family as we're talking about. And that's really the reason why we, we even play in the, uh, the first place. And so it kind of led to us being able to uh, just recently go up on uh, a fishing trip with our dad. Um, uh, and uh, we we're up in a cabin um, and uh, John, John, well, fishing slash hunting, right, John? Yeah, we were grouse hunting and fishing up there. And I think that's been the, the nice thing about this summer is we would otherwise, and we were going to be slammed with shows. I mean, it's every summer we've had for the last 20 years, Gary, since you uh, met us, we've been um, on the road steady for the summer. So that was a very weird thing for us because um, the last time I remember not touring on the road was when I was nine or 10 years old, just before we started touring. Um, so every summer has been full, but this summer gave us the opportunity to be a little more reflective, to be able to spend some time at home. James and I were able to, to write, write some more songs and, and sort of be more um, sort of internally creative rather than having to get out and play every weekend. And, you know, when you are out playing, it certainly inspires something, but, but having that time just to really, um, you know, dive into our our uh, next project has been really nice and uh, so it, it's been a good time that's the story i've heard from everybody that i've talked to so far um that the time of reflection because in the industry that you are in um that's 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 the work that's the job you know that big old black bus of yours that heads down the road and and off you go to a different venue but james i yeah. want to ask you about israel um yep You've played over there, and the audience difference in in Europe and in particular Israel. What was the reaction to the Abrams in in at that huge big festival they have over there every year? Well, it really grew over time, and that festival, um, such a great event, a world music festival on the Sea of Galilee, um, and uh, we started playing it in the mid two thousands, and then played it. A handful of times after that, I, I, you know, seven. I think it was about seven times, and uh, yeah, and and we were so fortunate to be able to go back and go back, and the festival really grew, um, and it and it grew through some difficult, uh, you know, periods of you know worrying about security and and stuff like that. But what was really cool is seeing how once you got into that space, how everything else seemed to kind of melt away, and 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 there was people of all kinds of different backgrounds just connecting together over music and um and so you know as we were younger at that festival um it was obviously quite an experience to go over there and just to play the show but as we grew up and uh got to meet people there and saw them grow up and live in their situation there in israel having uh 
you know, mandatory military service and seeing how they really matured as people. There's so many learning experiences there. But on top of that, surrounded by uh, a music festival that was almost um, as connected or more connected than any festival, I think, uh, that we, we've ever been to because of just how unique and how uh, and how different <laughs> appreciating music is in, in a place like that. And um, so, it, you know, overall, I think it was just, uh, it was kind of the center of uh, defining John, John and I and, and our passion for focusing on um, what our music can, can do to connect with other people and, and what our music, um, you know, how, how we can focus most on, on, you know, what we value from playing music, which is that connecting with other people. And so it's a great kind of um, connection that you're making from what we were just talking about doing, you know, the different things like the virtual uh, chats and, and whatnot. So um, I, I don't know what, can you add anything there, John, on that? No, James, I mean, you're totally right. Like it was, I think to see how important music was for bringing people of different cultures together in one place and perhaps anywhere, um, you know, that part of the world, um, seeing people from different backgrounds come together over something is, is, uh, you know, really, really special. And I think what is particularly interesting about that festival is that it's not just people from Israel, but it's people who have moved back to Israel from the UK, Australia, Canada, the United States. So, I mean, it really is a global festival in a way. Um, but it's on some pretty, pretty hallowed ground as far as our, gospel roots and, and uh, a lot of that faith-based influence, how it comes into play to literally, I mean, standing on the, the, the stage, it's right on the Sea of Galilee. It's 30 feet from the water and not 200 yards away to the right. If you're looking off the stage is um, where Christ did the Sermon on the Mount with the loaves and fishes. And so, you know, James and I say loaves and fishes specifically because James used to sing a song, two little fishes and five loaves of bread yeah. everywhere. And we played that on stage right there on, you know, in, in Israel and to have to realize, okay, that event took place 200 yards on that hill over wow. there. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's a really surreal thing. Like we've never experienced anything like that before. Oh, wow. I know we could go on and on here. I know I could talk about uh, two kids from Kingston, Ontario, Canada, <laughs> that have actually played in the circle on the Grand Ole Opry and right. all the things that you guys have done over the years. Uh, and uh, it's just been my pleasure not just to know you and your family. Uh, I think you've got the hottest, wonderful, funniest grandmother in the whole world. <laughs> Uh, I will let her know. <laughs> <laughs> who I've enjoyed here and, of course, uh, our trips to Nashville. And uh, right, yeah. uh, was it um, – what's the little town down there? Um, Bellbuckle. Bellbuckle. Yeah, Bellbuckle, Bell Bell Tennessee, uh, which uh, – which somebody said was Mayberry with shutters. And, uh, <laughs> well, and Granny and Grampy are, uh, I mean, they, they're not going down this year for obvious reasons, but every, and it's sad for them because every year they're Santa and Mrs. Yeah, Claus yeah. Uh, at the, at the Christmas uh, parade. And, and they're um, loved down there. They're loved down there. You know? They are. They're like the center of this community and they're just, they're flown in. Like it's the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've had some great experience with your family and I really, really appreciate everything. And, and you guys, I know, uh, I, I want to say this to the audience. I want to say, you, it's one thing to hear the Abrams on radio. Uh, it's one thing to hear their music 
on Apple or iTunes or wherever you download their music, and I hope you do download their music. But if you haven't seen them live in concert, then you are missing something big. Thank you. Uh, these young men are true uh, communicators. And the audience, when you leave that theater, will will leave wanting more. I absolutely, in 54 years of experience, guarantee you that. So it's been my pleasure wow. just to uh, to know you guys, uh, to watch you grow and mature. Uh, and uh, I just know that the future is going to be uh, very bright for you. And thank you for being on Big G Country. Thank, thank you. you. It's so so special for us because we know that we're some of the early guests on this show, uh, relatively speaking, and then there will be many more to come. So it's nice to be in on this, you know, at, at, in, in its first year. So, John and James, how would people get in touch with the Abrams? Yeah, so uh, theabramsmusic.com, Gary, and uh, we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, that's for sure. So if you ever send us a message there, we'll do our best to get back in touch with you. And also on our YouTube channel, quite a bit these days with us doing off-road with the Abrams. We're finished season one. We're going to be going on to season two here shortly. Um, and of course, you can always ask us questions live when we do those live casts. So uh, certainly, we'd love to love to see everybody down the road. Thank you again, guys. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, thanks for being on Big G Country. Thanks, G. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you to the Abrams, John and James, for being on the program today. Next. Let's have a chat with Randy Owen. Randy's been in country music as a country music DJ on radio for over 40 years and a good friend of ours. I've known you for a long time, and uh, like myself, I think we have a few miles of country music DJing. So tell us a little about yourself. Uh, more did, like kilometers nowadays, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did um, Randy, when did Randy Owen get going? To, to be totally honest with you, my whole career has been an accident. Really? It really has. Well, then tell uh, us how the accident started. Oh, man, it, it, the whole story is like a slew of accidents. Um, when I was a kid, um, I loved to play with audiovisual stuff. I mean, I remember getting a reel-to-reel tape recorder as a kid for my birthday because I wanted one. And I would tape TV shows, like the sound of it, just so I could go back and listen to the sound effects and stuff like that. And then when I was in uh, high school, uh, teachers saw that I had a, an aptitude for all the equipment that they had in the high school, the movie projectors and all that sort of stuff. So he suggested that I get a job or, or volunteer at the local uh, cable company in town. And I grew, was born and raised in Welland, and they had a, a local cable station right there. So I did that, and I did camera work for a while. And um, I was probably going to get into television. But then after a while, um, I'd gone from being a volunteer cameraman to being a producer, uh, editor, a playback operator. I'd do interviews with politicians. I'd, I'd host... Uh, parade coverage, election coverage, that sort of stuff. And eventually my boss there said, uh, you learned everything there is to learn here at the TV studio. Uh, you should really go to college and take the course there. Well, it just so happened Niagara College was right there in Welland, so I didn't have far to go. Took the course thinking I was going to get into television. And what happened was my first year there, I won the top mark uh, for a first-year student in, in the radio cl class. And I fell in love with radio at that moment. Right at that moment when I got that award. And that night at the award ceremony, uh, two of my instructors and my old boss at cable TV came up to me at different times during the night and said, uh, the local radio station is looking to hire somebody part-time and on weekends, that sort of stuff. You should apply for it. So I did. 
and it happened to be uh, the local radio station was a country station. And so I went to apply for it. I got a hold of the uh, morning guy who was also the program director and applied for the job and ended up getting that. So wanting to get into television, I ended up falling in love with radio. Well, let me just say that you have a beautiful face for radio. So, oh yeah, it's I think I think you chose the, <laughs> like all of like all of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's why people like Brad Pitt are are actors and on the big screens. You know, guys like us know things. So, have you always been a country DJ? Uh, for most of my career, uh, there was a short time, about seven years out of the forty that I've been in it, uh, where I was at another radio station. I had the opportunity to go there, uh, and at that point. Country music had dried up a lot in southern Ontario. You couldn't find a country station anywhere between London and Oshawa. I mean, Hamilton had had the big, I mean, 820 Cham was huge in those days. They'd gone by the wayside. Kitchener no longer had a country radio station. Um, Welland, where I grew up, um, they ended up changing their format. They didn't have a country station. So it's pretty dry at the time. And I thought, since I've been doing nothing but country music for about 20 years, why not see if I could be successful at doing another format? So I ended up going to Brantford and did uh, oldies uh, four days out of the weekend. On weekends, I would do adult contemporary, and I got uh, I got pretty comfortable with it. But while I was there, a uh, station in Chilsonburg was an AM country station, and they had just gotten their FM license. And uh, the morning guy there knew me and said, you got to come here with, and be on our new FM station. He said, it'd be like home for you. And so that's where I've been for the last 13 years. So you're at uh, 107.3 Country, Yipper. which is part of the uh, Rogers uh, radio brand these days. Yeah, the and last uh, two or three years when Rogers bought the company. Yeah. Before that, it was independently owned. And here's another weird thing I found. Um, out of all the stations that I've been at, and there's only been about four or five of them, um, every time I left on my own, I had been working for somebody who was an independent owner. Every time I got let go, I was working for a major company. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird the way it works out. Now, I know that you, all of us who are country DJs, and I, I go back to CFGM and when Toronto had a big country music radio station right. in the 60s, 70s, and 80s there. And all of us have connections with the artists mm -hmm. because it just seems, and, and I don't know a whole lot about the other genres of music and relations between that, but because... Country music has the heart in in basically one city, which is Nashville, and the artists seem to come out of there. They are more like a family. So when they do an interview with uh, Randy Owen, for example, um, they talk amongst themselves, and all of a sudden you get a reputation. Now, I know that you have a great reputation with the artists, and, um, and tell us a little bit about say your first interview and then how that grew to interview the artistry of country music. It's uh, again, it's, it's by accidents. I mean, it really is. Uh, when I was at the first radio station I was at, um, it was a country station, obviously in Welland. And I knew a little bit about country, but I wasn't a huge country music fan. I was a huge Beatles fan. And uh, the amazing thing was um, when, when you grow up, I mean, the age that I grew up in, I remember seeing Johnny Cash and his TV show uh, when that was on. I would occasionally watch Hee Haw every now and then. My parents had a pretty cool record collection of Johnny Cash and Hank Williams stuff. So I was familiar with it. I remember during the 70s watching some of the award shows. And so I knew of Ronnie Millsap and, and artists like that. Um, but then when the station hired me and I thought, you know what? 
they, they were gutsy enough to hire me. I better learn more about, about this music format uh, and, and the whole thing about country music. And the tough part was it was easy to get information on American artists. You could find TV shows, magazines, books, whatever. On Canadian artists, there wasn't much that you could find. And so one of the good resources for, for a DJ back in those days uh, was a publication out of Ottawa called Country Music News. It started off as Capital Country Music News, and then it ended up going like national. And the editor of that uh, magazine uh, was a guy by the name of Larry Delaney. And that magazine had different correspondents across the country. And the one in southern Ontario heard me on the radio. And I was doing a show called The Album Review, where I would interview a guest. And in this particular case, it happened to be Marie Bottrell, who was from London, uh, later became a female artist of the year on Canadian Country Music Awards twice and is now in the uh, Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. And he wrote a little blurb in his column that said, I heard Randy Owen interview Marie Bottrell for his album review show, and he was asking her questions I'm sure she hadn't been asked before. And that little blurb was the first time I saw my name in print. And I went, okay, I must be doing something right if he's listening and enjoying the interview. And I've always thought... Um, the uh, audience wants to know about the artists. I mean, I'm, I'm not a star, never have been, never wanted to be. Um, I'm just a conduit um, so that the listener can hear some interesting stories either from the artists themselves or about the artists. And again, because it was so tough to get Canadian uh, information or information on Canadian country music artists, um, I soon found out a lot of these stars that we were playing, their records back in those days, uh, would be playing at the local hotels for about a week, you know, six nights a week and, and Saturday matinees. And I'd go out there with the purpose of meeting them and finding them out more about them so I could talk intelligently about them on the air. And it just evolved to the point where um, I really enjoyed talking to these people. I, I fell in love with the music more so than ever before and um, had a lot of respect for these people once I got to meet them and talk to them and then have them come in and sit down and just chat. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Randy, on that, especially when it comes to the information about Canadian artists. And uh, the the gentleman that owned the Country Music News, is, was it Deline? Was that his last name? Larry Delaney. Delaney, that's it. Larry yeah. Delaney, yeah. And you're right. He absolutely, I mean, that man poured his heart and soul into that magazine. And uh, it did a lot, not just for country artists but for country radio yeah, as too. well because it yeah. supported all of us djs as well and so, he had some really good correspondence too i mean if you could go and find some back issues and read the articles that were written by the people who were covering manitoba or alberta or something yeah. Ontario, the correspondents themselves were just as passionate exactly but they were mostly djs as well yeah well, um, and i know what i did our my tv show top 10 country back in the early 90s um, he was a huge supporter of that, too. Now, tell us a little bit. How, how about, okay, you're DJing and every day's live on radio. It's great because, man, we say something that slips out or is wrong. It's there, and we can't take it back because it's all live. Uh, do you have any humorous things that happened to you in, in 40 years? Oh, have I ever. Uh <laughs> Back in the day, uh, when we were playing records and tapes and that sort of stuff, I was working part-time again, um, and I was going to college, and I still had my, my cable TV job. So here I am going to college five days a week. After college, I would, uh, right after classes, I would go to the uh, cable station 
be a playback operator until maybe eight, nine o'clock at night, go home, grab a bite to eat, and then go into school the next day. But it turns out, because I was working part-time, they asked me to fill in for the person who was working midnights at the radio station. So I yeah. did that. And by about the fourth, third or fourth night, I mean, I'm dead tired. I'm only getting two or three hours of sleep a day as the week progresses. And at one point, I put on a record. And no offense to him now that he's gone, but Ray Price it was a Ray Price record. And I fell asleep while the record was playing. <laughs> and I started it out. And as I'm nodding off, and as I'm nodding off, and I suddenly woke up just before the song ended. So fortunately, no. that did not get out. Yeah. So it was just, and it was just lucky enough. And there have been times when, um, for some reason, you're distracted and you don't have the next record queued up or the next element or yeah. whatever and stuff like that. And you try to ad lib. And that's a talent. If you could successfully ad lib something while you're busy trying to find the things that you're looking for and get them all queued up and stuff like that, that's a talent. And it, it, really, really, is. it really is something special. Man, to do. I tell you. I, and I say this today, but the young people today have no idea of really what it is to work in a studio when all hands have to be going. And you talk about, you know, having to do two things at once. Believe me, it was, uh, I said, the uh, people used to say to me, what was the first thing you did when you went into the studio? And I, and I always said, empty the ashtray. Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, every, every radio studio was, Piled with butts, right? Now, I never smoked, well, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, smoked and I smoked and I still do, but I remember one guy um, at that station of Welland, uh, the guy was like a chimney. The ashtrays were, were literally mountainous, <laughs> and he was notorious for it. And yeah. so, and he was the midday guy. And at one point, he went out on remote, uh, I think it was an old Kentucky Fried Chicken store he was at, and uh, <laughs> he had an artist come in and visit him while he was there, and the artist said to me afterwards, I don't know how that guy does it. He's even chain smoking while he's uh, on location. I don't know how he does it. Okay, my last question for you is: um, There's been a tremendous involvement of country of Canadian country music, and um, how do you how do you how do you think we're ranking now in the world of country music? Because, in my opinion, once again, Canada doesn't get a huge break in the United States anymore. We uh, have always been very. Uh, well, let's put it this way, uh, unequally uh, promoting their music. So how do you think uh, Canada is doing now and the future? Um, much better. Um, and, and even just locally at home, because I'm sure you remember back in the day when you'd go to a concert, it would be in a, a soft seat theater. And the Canadian star, who would possibly be one of the biggest stars in Canadian country music, would always be just the opening act for a big American star. Nowadays, um, the Canadian artists are filling those theaters by themselves. They don't need the American artists anymore. They're filling them up. They're selling out concerts. I, I mean, nowadays, a lot of the music, of course, being downloaded. I mean, can't remember the last time I went into a store and bought a record. Um, but that's the thing that's coming back, too. So that's been good. But down in the States... Um, it's it's more of a I think in Nashville is more of a songwriting mecca than it is for for artists like there are more opportunities for songwriters down there and you've got artists like Gordy Sampson and Tebe um, and some others that have been down there for quite a while now um, doing quite well and getting cuts from Carrie Underwood and uh, even Dustin Lynch uh, and the cool part is it's it's not necessarily maybe the stars that are up front, but it's all the other people that are working around the big stars. Luke Combs, who is arguably one of the biggest stars right now, his producer is a Canadian. 
Scotty Moffat from the Moffats, and they were a teen boy band back in the 90s. And now here's Scott Moffat down in Nashville, and he's producing Luke Combs and has produced all of his albums so far. And just recently won producer of the year, not only at the Canadian Country Music Awards, but also um, at the Academy of Country Music Awards down in Nashville. So um, Canadians, I think, have more opportunities down there. Um, Not necessarily from an artist standpoint, because there aren't too many artists that have made it down there, really. You know, yeah, that's uh, it's. We actually are bigger in Europe and uh, yeah. other areas of the world than, than the states. Randy, thanks for taking time to uh, talk with us today here on Big G Country. It's My always pleasure. a pleasure, always a pleasure to talk to another DJ, especially one that uh, I admire and respect, like you. And uh, we wish you well at uh, Country One Hundred Seven Point Three. Thank you, and I raise my coffee to you. Cheers. I'll raise my coffee to you, too. (laughs) Big G Country Coffee. Ooh, I need one of those mugs. Well, that's it for another edition of Big G Country. The Abrams, John and James, and country DJ for over 40 years at our good pal, Randy Owen. Don't forget, you can tune in on YouTube each and every week, and make sure you hit that subscribe button, and also you can share us on Facebook. That will really Help us out to spread the word about country music, country DJs, and coming up soon, some racing news as well. And also, you can follow us on our podcast each and every week with the Big G Country Podcast Show. Listen, you can also get in touch with us by going to email at bigg, B-I-G-G, at biggcountry.ca. That's B-I-G-G, Big G, at BigGCountry.ca. Let us know what you think. Maybe suggest an artist we could have here on the program. We'd love to hear from you each and every week. Thanks for being with us. See you next time on Big G Country. Big G Country.